morning. How y'all doing? Well, great. Good to be here. Good to be with Bishop Chad and Bishop Heidi. I like to call them Bishop. Uh, I just met them not long ago and got to know them this weekend, and it's been a it's been wonderful. You have uh, great pastors. Um, can I hear an amen to that? Uh, great, great. Uh, you know, it's it's great to be talented, and they're good looking too. You know, that, that's a that's amazing. Um, we have pastored for 43 years. Uh, my wife's with me. Sharon, why don't you stand? We've been married 43 years. We have four children, two grandchildren, pastored two churches, president of one college. And five years ago, was diagnosed with cancer, went through cancer treatments for a year, 300 hours of chemotherapy, and uh, other stuff, you know, the spinal taps and all the stuff. With my hip, that's where the tumor was. So the tumor was treated by the uh, oncologist, obviously uh, was good, I mean, success in that they treated the cancer, but they also messed up my hip. Um, but I'm five years out and cancer-free. And so um, I just had to kind of reinvent myself a little bit after pastoring uh, because now I, I sit most of the time with, with teaching, at least the last six months I have, uh, because my hip actually has a fracture in it right now from walking too much on it. So it's, uh, um, that's why I'm sitting. I always feel like I have to tell people why I'm sitting. I'm not just a lazy speaker. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason why I have to do this. Uh, but uh, God's good, and uh, we're good, and it's great to be here. We get to be in a lot of different churches, a lot of different cities and nations, um, and we get to experience a lot of different cultures. And so I would, I would like to just compliment, congratulate the Promise Center and the leadership team for building such a uh, great church, great culture, great vibe, great leadership team. Um, give them a hand for that. And uh, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. You know, it, you think church building would be easy. It's not an easy thing to do. There's a lot, of, a lot of work that goes into it. So I congratulate the team and all the volunteers, all the sound people, the lighting, the platform, the, the band, uh, all the door greeters, the children ministry, everybody that makes this thing happen. Uh, I just uh, congratulate you for building a great church and for volunteering and helping and working. And uh, I now want to dip into the word. However you got here into this service, whoever you are, however you got here, if you're first-timer, uh, second-timer, uh, been here a month, been here 10 years, however you got to the service today, I just want to thank you for coming. Uh, it's, it's awesome that you ended up sitting in that chair right now. Uh, some of this might be different for some of you, you know, with the way we worship and the way we carry on. Uh, and you might be, you know, I'm a total stranger to you, uh, to everybody, actually. Uh, and knowing that your, your pastor, this your church, would trust to have me share the pulpit and knows my reputation and integrity and doctrine, et cetera, so that I'm not going to, uh, you know, deliver any kind of heresy. Uh, but if I do, he can correct it next Sunday. Uh, so I, I want to thank you for being here, and I believe that uh, what we will do will have an impact on your life. I'm going to use a scripture for text, 
out of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, before I get to Luke, I need to explain a little bit so that you can kind of lean into what I'm going to do with this scripture and how I want it to apply to your personal life. Dr. Luke was a doctor, and he wrote Gospel Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. Book of Acts, probably one of the most important books in the Bible to do with church because you have the first church, the early church, everything that happened in the church, and Luke recorded that. Luke is the writer. He's uh, cut above. He's uh, intelligent species. He's a great writer. He's a detail. He's a doctor. And so when he puts things down, he puts things down different than Matthew or Mark or John, for sure. Uh, and in that, you have one of the the best sequential gospels written that have a lot of things in it that the other gospels don't even have. He's, he's just a, a detailed guy. Now, Dr. Luke, uh, being a writer of the New Testament, remember, the New Testament people had no Bible. They, they, there was no New Testament. When we talk about Luke, there was no Luke when Luke was doing this. There was no New Testament. They only used the Old Testament Bible. It wasn't 100 years after the turn of the century that they had an actual uh, canonicity of Scripture where they had a New Testament and all the books of the New Testament put together and the letters that Paul wrote, etc. That took a long time to happen. So the early church and the first writers, the only Bible they had was the 39 books of the Old Testament. That was their Bible. And that's what they preached from. That's what they sang from. That's what they did everything from. And so Dr. Luke, in writing his gospel and writing sequentially about Jesus, he's going to reach back and grab Isaiah, which is 750 years prior to Christ. So he's going to reach back and grab Isaiah, and he's going to quote Isaiah and nail it down as he writes his gospel. So he's reaching back, taking Isaiah. Isaiah is a lot like Luke, he's one of the most intelligent prophetic writers. He was the most systematic writer. He was a statesman. He was a historian. He was the one who served the kings. He, he was a cut above. He wasn't just kind of a spaced out prophet, not to be mean to the other prophets, but he was uh, more of a systematic, intelligent species who put things together. And, and if you only had Isaiah, if you only had Isaiah to read, you could actually find out who Jesus was, what his names were. You could find out where he was going to be born, where he was going to die. You would read about the crucifixion. You'd read about the resurrection. You'd read about the new heavens, new earth. It's all in Isaiah. Isaiah was like one complete gospel story in one Old Testament prophet. That's why we read Isaiah so much at Christmas time and Easter time, Isaiah 11, Isaiah 53, all these great scriptures because Isaiah was the guy who nailed that. Now, in Isaiah chapter 61, Isaiah has a what is called a messianic prophecy. A messianic prophecy is about the coming of the Messiah who was Jesus. And Isaiah had some of the most detailed messianic prophecies prophecies of any of the prophets, so that he, he described Jesus in detail, described Jesus' ministry in detail, really quite amazing, astonishing, supernatural, that he had so much detail when he went to his writing. Now, in Isaiah chapter 61, am I talking too fast? No, I just, you know, I was born in a hurry, and so, uh, you know, I just, I know what I have to cover, so I'm talking fast. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 61 is a description about the beginning of Jesus' ministry, which Luke is going to quote in Luke chapter 4. Now, this is the kicker. This is the thing I want you to see. In this day and time where Luke is writing, they, they have all these different synagogues sprinkled all over the greater Jerusalem and Galilee and all the different regions, but they were all very small. All the synagogues would maybe seat 
150, 100 people, 80 people, 250, 300 would be a huge one. The only big synagogue was really uh, in Jerusalem itself where they did a lot of the main feasts and a lot of the main teachings. It, Jerusalem was like the hub. And then all these other small, almost like church plants, synagogue plants would be all over. Because Jerusalem had most of the money, they had most of the full-time priests, all the other areas had lay priests, so to speak. They were not paid. They were not full-time. They had jobs, and then they would do the Saturday thing when it came to the synagogue. They would fulfill it. Because that was the way it was, Jerusalem was like the administrative hub that would actually help them plan their Saturday synagogue services, which were 60 minutes, and they would have an agenda where they would do scripture reading, they would sing the Psalms, and they would have assigned readers, they would have prayers, they would take up the alms for the poor. They had an agenda that they would fulfill in their one-hour synagogue service. But because the manuscripts that they would use for the reading were so bulky, and they were, they were big skin manuscripts. They didn't have the chapters in them. They had two wooden pieces on each end, and you'd have to unroll them. But like Isaiah, could be 10 of those rolls. And so if you were going to try to find where to read Isaiah 61, and you had 10 of the manuscripts sitting there, it would be kind of hard for the synagogue to tune in logistically and get it done. So what they did is they built a little coffee table that had round holes in the top. They put the manuscript in it with a little wood piece at the top, and they'd have Saturday 1, Saturday 2, Saturday 3, and then you could just reach. If you were Saturday 1, you would reach for that manuscript because that would be the reading for that day, and they would mark where you would be reading. You would unroll the manuscript, and you would read. Now, that's what's going on in this particular synagogue meeting that's going to happen that, that Luke was going to quote. Now, they had planned the reading months ahead, and the reader had been chosen months ahead so that he would be in town, would be in the synagogue, and knows his responsibilities that day. On this particular day, all the people coming to the synagogue, they're not at all. They're not at all aware of what's going to happen. They're not tuned in. They're not thinking about it. It's a routine Saturday. It's a routine synagogue meeting. But in this meeting, something's going to happen that has never happened in the history of Israel and will never happen from this point on. This is the only time this actually happens in a synagogue meeting. This is what's going to happen. The prophecy, which is Isaiah 61, all about the Messiah, the prophecy and the fulfillment of the prophecy and the prophecy is about a certain person, that person is actually reading the prophecy about himself. So this has never happened before that the Messiah is actually going to be the person that reads Isaiah 61 in the synagogue on that day to fulfill that prophecy, and it's going to be a fulfillment on him. It's totally supernatural, and it's the beginning of a brand new thing. It's the beginning of a new era that marks. This marks the beginning of three and a half years of ministry of Jesus, the, the beginning of a new era, a new covenant. Everything's going to change. Everything is going to change. They have no idea. They're just sitting there just like you're sitting with me this morning and kind of, okay, we sing our songs, we took our offering, we saw the video, and we're going to listen to the preacher, okay? But 
uh, maybe, possibly, and this is what I'm hoping to do with you today, is that just like the synagogue people, I would like you to maybe lean in and just maybe think that God has set up this meeting to do something supernatural in your life and something that might mark you for your future and something that's coming together that you have no idea why you're here, but I'm going to tell you why you're here because God's going to mark your calendar, mark your life, mark your future, and do something supernatural even though you casually are sitting in that chair. Even though you casually have come in the church, even though you have been beat to a pulp, even though you have a lot of stuff hanging on you, even though this has happened, that happened, and whatever, and you're not really expecting anything in the realm of a supernatural miracle, etc. But in that, I want to read this scripture, and I'm going to proclaim to you today that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and there's something, and there's a reason, and there's a sovereignty that you happen to be here on this Sunday. This is the only Sunday that I might be in Santa Rosa maybe my whole life. I won't say that because I would probably come back because I like Chad and, and Heidi and, and they're good looking and, she, and she's a wonderful girl and, 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 and so I might. But this might be the only time, might be the only Sunday I'm here speaking. I usually don't speak in July and August anywhere. I stay home, I do stuff with the kids, etc. But here I am. I'm in Santa Rosa. Could it be that I'm in Santa Rosa at the right time on the right Sunday to give you a word of about your life that might separate you to a future that you have no idea where I'm going with this, but a future that could mark you forever and ever. Now, are you ready? That's my introduction. Okay, that's the introduction. Here we go. Luke 4, 16. You'll see that I'm not stretching my introduction at all. I've given historical truth. And you'll see it right here. Luke 4, 16. So he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, his hometown, only 6,000 people in the town. He's a carpenter. His father's a carpenter. You know about Mary. He has four siblings. They've lived there for 30 years. They've attended the same synagogue for 30 years. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom, his habit, and the family habit, every Saturday probably, he went into the synagogue on the Saturday, the Sabbath. And he stood up to read. Why? Because he's the chosen reader. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. He didn't choose it. He had no choice. He had no power in this. He was handed the scroll of Isaiah. And... When he opened the scroll, it says the book in your Bible, but it's really the scroll. When he unrolled the scroll, he found the place where it was written, his assigned reading. How supernatural is it that God had set this up for months? God had the priest do this. God had the manuscript there. God had the whole thing planned. Everything was orchestrated. Don't tell me that God's not a God of detail and God cannot orchestrate your life even with the details that you don't even know God is working behind the scenes. You don't even know he's putting it together. You don't even know that you're in the right place at the right time. You think you're in the wrong place at the right time, the wrong place at the wrong time. You think this, you think that, but I'm telling you right now, there's a God in heaven who has his hand on your life and he orchestrates your steps and he does things with you that you don't even know about. And you don't even ask 
You don't say to God, okay, I want you to be sovereign, I want you to be God, and I want you to direct everything, and I'm just going to close my eyes and sleepwalk. It's not like that. You live life. But in living life, in doing what you're doing, the steps of a good man, the steps of a good woman are ordered of the Lord, and God has gone before you, working behind the scenes, putting things together, making things happen. Even when bad things happen, God still has a good outcome. Even when things seem like it's all dark, there's light. Even when things seem like it's not fair, there's something sovereign behind it. I'm telling you right now, God is working in your life. Working in your life. So, he's got the scroll and he stands up to read. Now, how weird would this have been if you would have been in the room? He's reading Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Never happened before. It's just a reader, a carpenter, a 30-year-old man. But when he said, me, all of heaven is leaning over. It's him. It's him. It's him. It's him. <laughs> this is him. We've been waiting hundreds of years for this day. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. What? Was there a gospel before the cross? Was there a gospel before the resurrection? Was there a gospel? That's another subject. And so I'm here to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me. Everyone shout me. me. Come on, church. Talk to me. 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 One more time. Me. He has sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind is set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, in that day, Israel was full of sickness, oppression, brokenness, economic hardships. All of Israel was in kind of a backslidden state. They haven't had a revival for hundreds of years. They haven't had a prophet come to them for hundreds of years. They haven't seen a miracle for hundreds of years. There is nothing in their history for hundreds of years where God has appeared to this nation like he did under Elijah and Elijah and the other prophets back where there were miracles. It's been hundreds of years, and they all have been sitting in their synagogues thinking about what's going to come. The Messiah is going to come, and when the Messiah comes, the kingdom will come, and when the kingdom comes, the authority will come, and when the authority comes, there will be healing, and, and the lame will walk, and the blind will see, and the deaf will hear, and it will be a wonderful time, and God will turn the nation around. Someday, someday, this is going to happen, but I'm telling you this morning, someday become today. It's not someday now for these people. It's now today. So Jesus is saying, hear me, and you have to know while he's speaking, stuff's going on in that room. Why does he sound different? Why does he speak with authority? Why, why do I feel his words? What's going on in this room today? That's later on. And Luke, what I'm telling you is, again, not made up. There was something going on in the room. Why? Because there's brokenhearted people, and they're saying, is he saying I could be healed of my brokenness now? There's oppressed people saying, do you think he means now? There's people in all kinds of captivities. Do you think maybe? No, it can't be. 
But then Jesus says to them, and to proclaim to you the acceptable year of the Lord, and he stopped in the middle of Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3, closed the manuscript, and he proclaims to them the acceptable year of the Lord. He says, I want to say to you today that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, if you're a Jew, you get it. If you're a Gentile, you're not moved by this. So I'll tell you why it's so important. The acceptable year of the Lord to the Jew was the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was every 50 years. Every 50 years, the slaves were set free, the lands were given back to the people, all the debts were forgiven. It was a celebration. It was called the year of Jubilee. And only Israel would experience the year of Jubilee every 50 years. If you happen to be born at the right time to ever experience one, uh, your grandparents would tell you about it, your parents. And so it was one of those years that everything turned. It was a celebration. It was a, a supernatural thing. It was a miracle year, a year of Jubilee. And Jesus says to them, I want to proclaim to you that this is the year, the acceptable year, the acceptable year, the word acceptable is the word favor, it's the word jubilee, it's translated different ways, but he's saying to them, I'm going to say to you today that this is the year of jubilee, and they're thinking, that's 13 years from now. How can you say it's a year of jubilee? Are you messing with our mind, messing with our calendar? What gives you the right to actually say that the year of jubilee is now? What Jesus is actually saying to them, when I come, every day will be a jubilee. When I come, every year will be a jubilee. I am the beginning of your calendar. I'm the end of your calendar. And I'm telling you right now, there's going to be open heavens and there's going to be the supernatural. And wherever I go, God is going to touch down and the lame will walk, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the miracles will happen because you're not waiting any longer for a year to come. I have come. And because I have come, every day is a potential jubilee in your life. Can someone shout hallelujah. Now, think of these people leaning in. Did, did he just say that the year of favor starts today? Yeah, that, I, that, I think that's what he said. <laughs> well, how does that happen? I don't know, but I, I like to believe him. Why? Because I don't want to wait any longer. So do you believe that you can just reset your calendar? Yeah, I think he can reset the calendar. What do we have to lose? Let's reset our calendar. Let's believe this guy. I mean, he's been a good carpenter. <laughs> and he talks with some kind of anointing spirit, something on him. I mean, this is, this is ridiculously good. This is amazing. And, and I'm sitting here, and I'm broken, and I'm miserable, and I have no future. And he's telling me I can, I can mark my calendar today. I think I'm going to go with this man. I'm going to mark my calendar, and I'm going to believe that today is the beginning of the best year of my life, and today is the beginning of a favor year of my life. I'm going to mark my calendar and believe that the favor of the Lord is upon me starting today. Now, could I move you? to mark your calendar, July 21st. July 21st, could we mark our calendar today with a word of faith and a word of God to actually say to you that I believe that you're listening to a good teaching that would help you have a defining moment in your life and a turning point that today you could mark your calendar by faith and you could say, I received this word even though I came to church just like those people, synagogue, not expecting, but now I'm expecting. And I received this word today that God is going to give me a year of jubilee and a year of favor 
December beginning on July 21st and for the next 365 days I'm going to have open heaven I'm going to have healing I'm going to have the prosperity of God I'm going to have the blessing of God I'm going to have the favor of God I'm going to mark my calendar and I'm going to believe that this is the beginning of the best year of my life even if you've had the worst year how many of you had in the last 365 days how many of you have had a hard year how many of you have had a year you'd like to forget? How many of you have had a year that has set you up not to expect anything good to come this year because you've had so many bad things happen last year, and so some preacher comes and try to hype you to say you should expect different. Your spirit won't reach out. You won't kind of go for it because you're not sure. Could I just kind of knock that in the head this morning and knock that out of your spirit this morning and say to you that God is good and God is for you and God wants to work on your behalf, and this could be... This could be the best year of your life. Why give in to the devil's bad year? Why give in to life's bad disappointments? And so our whole expectation level goes down and down and down. I want to lift it up. I want to say to you, I proclaim to you that the year of the Lord's favor has begun. And if you would lean into it, if you will believe me, if you will reach out to it, I believe this will be the best year that you have ever had in your business, in your family, in your health, in your emotions, in your mind. Come on, people. Let's shout hallelujah. I believe, I believe, the year of the Lord's favor has begun. Announce it, turning point, defining moment. Now, definition. Let me give you a, a good, solid, biblical definition of favor. If you took all the 14 Hebrew words and the six Greek and combined them all together and looked up all the hundreds of scriptures where all these words are used in the family tree and try to look at each scripture and extract from it how is favor used there, how is blessing used there, how is prosperity used there, and extract it out and try to make one definition. That's what I've done for you. When I say to you, everyone say out loud with me, I receive, I receive. Favor. favor. Come on, say the word favor. favor. Now say it three times real loud. Now turn to your neighbor and say, favor. favor. Turn to your other neighbor and say, favor. favor. Now look up at me and shout, favor. favor. Okay, favor, the favor of God. The favor. How many of you with me, remember, most of the Bible, you have to kind of believe in ridiculous things to believe in anything. Is that right? It is right. The Bible is written in supernatural. It's written in, in, in miracles and healings and, and even the creation of heavens and earth and, and the crucifixion and the resurrection and, and all the stuff that happens. It's, it's in a realm that is not the natural. It's in the supernatural realm. You might as well believe with me that God wants to put favor on you and you can actually change what the atmosphere is over your life by declaring that the favor of God has come upon on you. You can actually change it. It says in Proverbs, a man's word snares him like a trap. It says in my Bible that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It says in my Bible that God created things by the word and he spoke things. You cannot tell me 
that the devil doesn't get you to say the wrong thing and declare the wrong things over you. I'm no good. I'm not blessed. I'm not worth blessing. I can't have that. I will never have that. My family tree's messed up. This is disappointing. This doesn't work out. The bank won't help me. The college won't graduate. These things. And you start predicting and you start saying all those things over you. I would like to put that into last year and I'd like you to bring into this year a declaration of the favor of God over your life. So here's the definition. Are you ready? I tell you, are you ready? Good. Aligning our life with God's blessing. I'm not talking about man's favor, luck, or anything else. I'm talking about the favor of God. Aligning our life with God's blessing, grace, and favor. All in the same family tree. Blessing, grace, favor, prosperity. It's all in the same root system. That positions us, now here's the definition for favor. Increased influence. Supernatural turnarounds. Limitations broken. Dreams awakened. Missed opportunities redeemed. Wide open new doors of divine possibility. So if I had the authority, and I kind of do, you don't have to believe me, but I would suggest you might want to, and we scooted up knee to knee, and we were in the same room, and I would say to you, now listen, I'm going to give you a word for your life. Will you receive it? And everybody said? Yes. And, and I would look you in the eye and say, okay, this, this is what's going to happen. The favor of God's going to come in your life. Do you receive it? I don't know, I, I don't, I'm not good enough, and you know, I, I, I said it, I got baggage, and I got problems, and I got failures, and you know, I don't know, I, God can bless the missionaries, and God can bless the priests, and God, but you know, me, I'm just, I, I'm just, uh, I got a lot of stuff, right? I'm not asking you about your stuff, I'm just asking you, will you receive it? Yes. Well, uh, that? <laughs> will you receive it? And so I scoot up and say, okay, this is what God wants to do for you. He wants to give you increased influence. Will you receive it? I can't receive it because I'll mess it up. I mess everything up. I can't have increased influence because I don't have the, the character. I don't have the authority. I mean, I've tried before. And I, ah, I want you to shut up. And I want you just to receive what God wants to give you with an open heart and not bring in all your failures and your baggage and your mindsets and your family tree and everything else because we're talking about God's favor on you right now today, July 21st, not July 20th, not last year, right now, July 21st. I'm talking about the favor of God being on you and what God wants to do with you. He wants to increase your influence. He wants to give you some supernatural turnarounds. He wants to break the limitations off your life. He wants to awaken the dreams that you let go. He wants to somehow bring back the opportunities that you have missed. He wants to open new doors in your life. And now you're kind of dying. Oh, my God, I can't believe it's too good to be true. Of course it's too good to be true. It's called grace. It's called God. It's called good God. It is too good to be true. Why would you try and dilute it? I would give you a little bit of influence, but I don't trust you that much. And I'll give you a few turnarounds, and I'll see how you do. And I'll break some limitations, but I don't want you to get pride. And I'll awaken some dreams, but some of those you don't deserve. Now, I don't want a diluted definition. I don't want a diluted God. I don't want a religious God. I don't want a God of my experiences. I want the God of the Bible. And the God of the Bible is a big God and a good God and a powerful God. And what he says is true. And the Bible is true. And everything else is a lie. The Bible is right.
a problem if we don't believe for much. We won't reach because we get our hands slapped. John 10.10, Jesus says, I come to give you life, life more abundant, but the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What he can't steal, he'll kill. What he can't kill, he'll mangle. He'll keep you at a low level. And he'll say to you, your prayers won't be answered because you don't have enough faith. Or you can't have a good marriage because you've, your whole family tree has bad marriages. It's in you. It's in your blood. You, you can't turn it around. You won't be prosperous because you're not smart enough. And, and, and you'll probably always be in debt. And you'll probably always, you can't run a business because you don't have the skills. And you can't, the devil is always stealing, killing, mangling, taking, removing, belittling, putting a lid on you, beating you down. Oppression means, oppression means to be bent over. That's what it means. It means to be bent over with the pressures and, and the stuff where you walk like a bent-over woman. And Jesus healed one of those bent-over women that, that was bent over like that. And Jesus straightened her out and gave her life. I want you to be straightened up. Come on, sit up straight with me. Sit up straight. Come on, get your shoulders right. Come on, sit up. Now lift your hands straight up. Straight up. Come on, lift your hands. If you haven't done this before, just act like you know what you're doing. Just lift your hand straight up and say out loud with me. Come on, say out loud. I am, I am blessed of God, blessed of God. Chosen, of God chosen of God, favorite of God. Favorite of God. I, want I want everything. I don't deserve it, deserve but, in Christ, but in Christ, I can take it. Can take it. Devil, Devil, you're a liar. You're a liar. Get, your hands off. Get your hands off. God's property. God's property. And I am God's property. Now give the Lord a shout and a clap this morning. Come on. <sighs> Almost preaching myself into believing. Come on, church. How many of you are getting something out of this? Come on. How, how, how many of you can feel yourself closing that last year door. You know what? I want to close it. You know what? How many of you are reaching for that marker pen and you're circling July 21st? And you're writing across it, favored. Favored. When you go to work tomorrow, you're going to say to the first person you see, hey, by the way, something happened. No kidding. What happened? I've been favored. What, what, what do you mean? I've, I've been favored. Th things are turning around. Things are coming my way. Things are coming together. The blessing is, is happening. It's coming right down the pipe on me. Uh, I, I can't explain the whole thing to you, but I'm telling you right now, uh, the limitations are broken. The dysfunctionality has fallen to the side. I'm a new person. Uh, I have a new future. This is going to be the best year of my life. They're thinking, huh, can I get in? Well, just stay real close, and maybe some of mine will spill over on you because it's coming my way, and, and I'll tell you, I can pray for you, and it can come your way. I want you to confess to people just how great it is, how good it is. Limitations are being broken. Dreams are being awakened. Things are coming together. What hasn't worked before is going to work now. 
Come on, Santa Rosa. How many of you are from Santa Rosa? How many of you are from somewhere else? How many of you are from Oregon? Well, that was a losing request right there. So Oregonians don't move to California, but I'll tell you what, we got a lot of you in Oregon. Must be a reason, huh? Scripture. I'm going to give you two scriptures. They'll come up on the screen, but write them down because I want you to see in these two scriptures kind of a heart prayer. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18 in a translation that I'm reading. This new situation, would you please say out loud with me, new situation. situation. Turn your neighbor and say, a new situation is coming your way. That's enough, that's enough. This new situation is holy, God's doing, for he is the one who restored us to his, come on, say it. He restored us to his, okay, I didn't deserve it, but the grace of God came upon me. The favor is the kindness of God we don't deserve. It comes through the cross. It's undeserved favor. It's unmerited. It's the love. It's the grace. It's, it's never just enough to get me through. It's more than enough. It's, it's beyond everything. I like to make excuses about it. I like to kind of push it away because favor and grace is just too good to be true. And that is the gospel. That is the gospel. If you deserve it, it's not grace. If you can earn it, it's not God. I'm not talking about what you deserve. I'm not talking about what you can earn. I'm not talking about how you can somehow manipulate God into it. If you're in Christ and you're in the cross, the favor of God is restored to your life. Another scripture, 2 Corinthians 6.2. I love this scripture. Hear what God says. Watch, watch the timing change. Hear what God says. When the time came for me to show you favor, I heard you. And when the day arrived for me to save you, it's the word sozo, which is the word wholeness, I helped you. Listen. Listen. This is the hour to receive God's favor. favor. When? Today. When? Today. Turn to your neighbor and say, quit waiting. Quit waiting. quit waiting. This is the hour to receive God's favor. And today is the day to be sozo, to be healed, to find wholeness, to bring yourself into that realm where you can receive all that God has for your life. When the day arrived, I helped you. When the time came, I heard you. I heard you. Your neighbor didn't hear you. People didn't hear you. And you didn't even open your mouth, but I heard your heart. And I heard you say, maybe, could it be? Oh, God, oh, God, I want to believe this so bad. Help my unbelief. 
could it, I mean, God, I don't even know how to pray these prayers, but kind of embarrassed even to bring it up again, but God hears the heart. When that heart starts talking, all of heaven hears the words. God says, you hear, you hear her? Yeah. Wow, what brokenness. What? They see your whole history. They see everything you've gone through where you could never even explain it to someone. You could not even take them on a journey for them to even feel everything you've gone through. But heaven hears that heart, and it has like a computer chip of the entire thing. And they say, oh my, wow, been through a lot been broken, been disappointed, been abused. Wow. This person, can, can we help? Can we help her? Jehovah God, can we? Yeah, I, I'm listening to her heart. God hears that cry. It says in Psalm, the cry of the broken heart is close to God. God hears it. No one else, they might shun you, they might, not God. He says, I got it. My hand's on you. I heard you. And by the way, I'm going to help you. 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 Favor, in a moment, can turn years around. Favor, in a moment, can heal years of hurt. Favor can change everything, not just some things. Favor is when God hears, and he always hears more than we say. Now listen to this. He hears more than we say. He answers more than we ask. And he gives us more than we can imagine. Because he's God. So I pray this, and God says, I'm going to do more than that. I see this, and God says, there's more. Because I'm your God, and I'm for you, and I'm working behind the scenes. Can I hear an amen? amen. Bow your head right, right here, right now. Just bow your head for a second. If you're in the room and you would say, you know what, Frank, you're talking to me, and I, I want this person to respond. If you're away from God, if you got beat up and got off track, whatever happened, God wants you back. Or if you never started, God wants you to start. God's hand is on you to hear this word today because this is the beginning of something great for you. If you're in this room and you need to get back to God, put your hand up right now. Put your hand up right now. Say, Frank, I'm one of those people that need to get back to God. Back to God. Wow, that's a lot of hands. Anybody in this room say, Frank, I'm one of those people that need to start with God. I've not even started. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Why? Because God's for you. God is, is already working on your behalf. God brought you to hear this word to change everything about your future. He's the God who works on your behalf. Oh, God, hear my cry. Oh, God, hear my cry. Everyone in the building, stand to your feet. Spread your hands toward heaven. 
with your heart. It's a biblical expression to simply say, oh God, oh God, here I am. Oh God, let the favor of the Lord come upon them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. Let them mark their calendar. Let them lean in. Let them see the limitations broken, the dreams awaken. Let them experience a double dose of the favor of God. Lord, I'm believing that you're going to do something magnificent with the people. Something magnificent with every person in this room. Let healing come to the heart. Let healing come to the mind. Let healing come to the body. Lord, I'm praying today that there would be a clear pathway forward for every person in this room. Jesus, here we are. We're believing. Dr. Frank Damasio for that word. <laughs> lifting the ceiling, lifting the lid. We need to hear that because grace always comes one size too big. We have to grow into it. I was thinking about the story as I was listening here about 
Abraham, when God asked Abraham to get out of the tent, he says, I need you to get out of the tent. It's too small. It's smallness. You're called to bigness. And he goes, okay. Gets out. He goes, look up. What do you see? He says, I see stars. He's like, yep. That's what's going to come out of your life. Look down. What do you see? I see sand. He said, can you count it? Nope. He said, that's your life. I need you to get out because what I have for you is bigger than you. And we have to be reminded again and again that God's plan for our life, His grace on our life is bigger than us. It's out of the boat kind of stuff. It's the out of the box kind of stuff. It's out of the tent kind of stuff. And I just hope our hearts can embrace that today because there's bigness on your life. There's purpose on your life. There's meaning to your life. More than just meat and drink. More than just going and coming. It's, it's, it's a purpose that's, that, that was hidden in Christ from the very beginning and now is being revealed to us as we walk in Him and grow in Him. Amen? So I want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, let us receive that favor. It's received, not achieved. It's not earned. We strive for it, but it's not earned. We receive it today. That bigness that's about you because you're big. You're glorious. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our hearts and encourage our faith today to receive this favor, to receive this kind of grace, to receive this kind of life that believes the best about God in every situation, that sees your handiwork, the provision, the providence of what you're doing, that we can get and learn in any situation because every situation was built for us to grow, to learn, to walk in grace, to trust you, and that there's a miracle in every situation. In every vignette of life, there's a moment that your light is going to shine, your glory is going to be revealed. So life has a new meaning because grace has come. We receive that into our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say amen.